Welcome to Mama's Nightmare. Come join us as we talk about anything from moms that murder to family murderers, kids being kidnapped and or murdered, or even being killers, which are all a mama's nightmare. I'm Rhonda. I'm Alicia. We're a mother-daughter duo giving you our spin on these nightmares from a mom's perspective. Today, we're going to be talking about the disappearance of Zachary Ramsey. I'm Rhonda, a mother of two and a grandmother of four. I work full-time for a well-known app. I'm obsessed with true crime podcasts, shows, and documentaries. I'm Alicia, a wife and a stay-at-home mom of three who just started listening to true crime podcasts, but like watching documentaries and thrill-seeking movies with my husband. I'm the one that suggested that we start a podcast since I love to discuss these nightmares, and of course, I think people need to hear our opinion on them. Today, we're going to be discussing a mama's nightmare of sending your 10-year-old son to walk to school to never be seen again. Trigger warnings for this episode are child murder, child rape, and talk about alleged cannibalism. Thanks for joining us. Now, grab yourself some huckleberry cheesecake, and let's talk about this nightmare. Huckleberry cheesecake. So, yum, yum. Yeah. That's, I, I tried to look up things that were going on in in this place like Utah, we found that one for the fries and sauce. Yeah. And then this one was from Montana and it said Huckleberry Cheesecake. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, it does, actually. I could go for a piece of Huckleberry Cheesecake about now. Yeah, it's real early in the morning. With my coffee, so. it'd be real good. Yeah. I didn't have time to grab coffee, so we're doing this without coffee. Ooh. All right. Well, uh, first off, I want to apologize to all the folks because... Um, it's kind of my fault that we didn't do one last week. Um, I have been, we've discussed I've had problems with my shoulder, but it's just getting worse and worse. And I have to start physical therapy this week and all that fun stuff. So, and I'm looking at the papers for the short-term disability and I don't know what I'm doing with that yet. So it's just, it, it's a topsy-turvy time right now for me, for especially Yes, and my children all started sports, so it's been a all weekend long and school, kind of <laughs> school and, and sports school. all together all at once. Yeah, so it's been very difficult to find time to actually record, not to not to do the research, but to record all of this yeah. stuff because we have to do it when children are not around, <laughs> <laughs> especially this one. This one is absolutely horrific yeah i don't know why i just was looking up new ones ones that we haven't heard about and i wanted to do yeah i mean we've been doing a lot of girls so i thought ooh, it's a boy and it's a disappearance it's, it's kidnapping yeah no i'm sorry people no <laughs> i always yeah. end up with these i always end up with them none of them are good no matter what but then you get these ones that are just especially hard to deal and hard to listen to and hard to imagine that somebody could do this. And so it is. Yeah, tough. this is definitely this one. And it kind of goes back to, it's not just Zachary Ramsey that this affected. It affected a ton, tons of children, tons of them. I read just a little snippet, <clears throat> read just a, I, I read just a small article on this and it's not, it, it's very disturbing as to how this um, person was out to even have a 
chance to get to Zachary. I mean, it's just the stuff that he did. Three times he was he was arrested. Yeah. Before. Yeah. And 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 still and for the same things and still going and still and still being able to get out. Yeah. It's a, it's appalling. It truly is. We need to fix the system. We've got to to protect our babies. Yeah. I mean, the government's got to do something to to stop this and oh. So, yeah. So are we ready to get into this one? Let's get into it. Oh, did we have any new people? I don't know. We haven't, you know, we haven't talked much about stats this week at all. Uh, um, no, because technically I really haven't been on there that much okay. since we didn't do a show. Yeah. Things have been a little rough. Yeah. And I, I know I haven't been into it. It's all I can do to, to have worked and I've still even had a lot of days off during that. So I haven't much dealt with it either. So. Yeah, we've had. We have over seat. Uh, 468 downloads. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, But no, we're pretty well. I mean, we have Texas. We had somebody in Texas listen to us. Cool. But Thank you. I believe we've already had that person. Well, not that person, but that state before. But no, we're pretty much keeping up with a regular. Okay. Well, that's good. We like that. Mm-hmm. We always like that. We truly appreciate you guys for listening. Yes, we do. And sorry if I sound a little nasally. It's the South here, so it's allergy season and can't control it. Oh, amen, sister. I swear, I feel like ragweed is like on the cusp of coming in. It's that time of year, September. And it's that time of year. Yeah. And I was starting to do, I was want, I was starting to walk. And the place where I walk, it's all this pollen. Yeah. And so I had to stop walking for a little bit because I was so sick. But let's go ahead and get into this nightmare moment. Okay, let's start it. I guess I'm ready. Mm. Okay. This nightmare takes place in Great Falls, Montana, where a 10-year-old boy disappears while walking seven minutes to school. And I'm very serious. It's seven minutes. I looked it up on maps like I was all in it this time, looking at the maps, looking at where he would cross over, uh-huh. all of it. Seven minutes. And, you know, and that's scary because we sometimes, I sometimes think that these kids, but, you know, when y'all were younger, when you were in high school, we lived in a town that uh, didn't have bus service. So you had to, you either, if you lived within the city limits and were, What's the way to say it? If you lived within this, the city limits, then you were then you were projected to be there. If you were outside of the city limits, you had to find your own ride in, and you had to pay to to join the school, and you know, so you had that. So yeah, it was a very small town, so it was very being within the city limits was only less than a you know five to six minute walk. So you guys would walk to school some, and sometimes I would drop you off, but most of the time you would walk, and you definitely would walk home. So there was a lot of kids walking. back and Mm -hmm. forth to school there but 
I sometimes say nowadays we're so our, we won't even let our kids walk to school because like the buses will drop them off in less than two minutes from their house. And they could walk there faster than they can load the bus on, get on the bus and then do that. And it just seems like it's kind of ridiculous. But then again, something like this, this kid was walking seven minutes. Seven minutes. And from what it seems like, this is a very small town too. Yeah. Everybody knew everybody. Everybody knew Zachary. Everybody knew him. The documentary that I watched on it, it was heartbreaking to see all these people. They were very upset over him and they actually made a memorial. Not really. a. They didn't want to put it as a memorial because there are hopes that he's still alive. So they want, and they didn't want to damage the mother because she thought he might come home. So they made it a, you will never be forgotten. Yeah. Memorial. See, that just gives me cold chills. And I'm wearing a heating pad. So that's kind of hard to get cold chills. (sighs) Right, bro. So. You were stuck for a second. I saw you were frozen too. It was just, I guess, the both of us. But. I said, we are doing, we are doing this remote. Yeah. So, so bear with us. Yeah. The scary part is knowing is not knowing until later in the afternoon that Zachary, that he was gone. Mm. Like the school, of course, doesn't call the parents until after school to let them know that their child hasn't came. See, that's, crazy because if you're supposed if they're supposed to be there and they're not there now we don't know for how many hours that they haven't been there it needs to be right away well they can be considered tardy all the way up until i think like 11 o'clock right i mean i get that with school and then there's also <laughs> doctor's appointment it's a slippery slope stuff. you don't want to be in the doctor's appointment with the call with the call with the them calling you, you know, the office calling you saying, Hey, your kid's not at school. I know he's sitting right here. We're at the dentist or we're at the doctor's. But then again, in something, a case like this, you're like, what do you mean? He's not at school. He, you know, I sent him off this morning, 20 minutes ago. It doesn't take that long to get there. Where's he at? Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's very, just a huge struggle. Okay. So we're going to get into little, well, He's not so little, but Zachary Ramsey. His name is Zachary Xavier Ramsey. He was born on December 18th, 89, 85, not 89, 85. His mother's name is Rachel Howard. She was newly divorced and moved to Great Falls, Montana for a better life with her son and her two daughters. Zachary was a lovable child. And he always had a huge smile on his face. The entire town knew who he was and knew he was such a happy kid. Now, this is on February 6th, 1996. Zachary Xavier Ramsey, a 10-year-old biracial boy, left his home, which he lived with his mother, which was Rachel Howard, and his two siblings left his house at approximately 7.34 p.m. A.M. Oh, my goodness. Mm. What is up with me? A.M. The words are hard. They are hard today. To walk to his school, which was Whiter Elementary School. He took his usual route from 400 Block North Street 
North Fourth Street of Great Falls, Montana, which is in the town of Cascade. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. I'm sorry if I'm butchering it. Zachary Ramsey was wearing a blue jean jacket with green sleeves, blue football jersey with his name printed on the back. He had a stonewashed jeans and black high top sneakers. While walking to school somewhere between um, 7th, 6th and 7th Street is where he cuts through the alleys between. And that is where Zachary Ramsey disappeared and was never seen from again. Never seen or heard from again. Okay, so that means that they had somebody that saw that had eyes on him up until that point. Somebody had seen him, <clears throat> but nobody saw yes. him come out of the alley. Yeah. Okay. So oh. he never... There was, there was quite a few witnesses. I'll give you that. Mm. So he never arrived at school that morning and wider school contacted Rachel Howard after school to let her know that Zachary was marked absent from school that day. So of course, Rachel Howard called the police and reported her son missing that afternoon. The police started to form search parties with no trace of Zachary. Now earlier, like a month earlier, Zach ran away from home, but it was only for about an hour when he called his mom to come pick him up. So, I mean, he had a past of running away, but he always came back. Okay. Is that really a past of him running away one time and uh, he's gone for an hour? I mean, did she turn him into the police and they were looking everywhere or what? I don't know for sure. I mean, it could have been like, I'm going to run away and then go over to your next door neighbor's house right. and sit on their porch. Right. I mean, I mean really, you cross. So he crossed the street because it wasn't supposed to. And he, you know, went a block yeah. to the store when he shouldn't have. I mean, what? He's 10. He's 10. I don't care if he's got a past. He's 10. <laughs> he doesn't, he's yeah. not allowed to run well, away. Well, either way, I mean, they they started the search immediately. Everybody knows Zachary, so it's very easy to. They had tons of people searching for him. That's good. The police started questioning um, all of the families around the area. And there was a family of three that saw Zachary walking down the alley and noticed an off-white four-door car running over him. Running over. <laughs> I think that's a running, typo, maybe. I guess. It says running his over. That doesn't. No, from what the documentary said is that a four-door car was there and Zach, Zachary was right there. Okay. I'm going to call him Zach so badly. Zachary was like right there with it. And then the doors were open. So it was almost like somebody was trying to get him to come into the vehicle. Okay. Another witness saw Zachary Ramsey standing in the alleyway like he was waiting on somebody. Now, there was another witness that said that they saw a man also known, uh, a man known as Nathaniel Barjona standing beside the dump, the garbage dumpsters in the alley around 7.15 a.m. Now, 
Nathaniel Barjona seemed to be taking his trash out and was wearing a police-like jacket that was blue. When Zachary came into the alleyway later, Nathaniel was still saw standing there at the dumpsters. Now, at 7.45 a.m., a witness saw Zachary crossing North 6th Street and to appear and appeared to be upset and crying. They also saw Zachary being followed by an obese older man. Um, he was just a couple of feet behind him, and that man seemed to be upset too. Ooh. The police believe the man that was following Zachary was indeed Nathaniel Barajona. They believed he abducted Zachary been overpowered by him with a stun gun shortly after. Okay. It's disturbing as to why he was upset. And well, if he was the one that was in the car, then I'm sure he was upset because he's like telling him to get in the car and he's not getting in. And so then he starts walking away. So Nathaniel just gets out of his car and starts following him. Right. Okay. But, oh my goodness, people, children, scream. That's what I was going to say. At 10 years old, you would think, you would hope that someone had told him to scream, run, scream, don't just stand there if somebody's trying to do something to you. But in that moment, you can freeze up and not know what to do. Yeah, I do that a lot. I just like lock up in fear. That, that's where they say you're supposed to practice these things with your children and, you know, practice with them and say, okay, now I'm a stranger and I'm coming up to you. What do you do? You scream, you run, scream and run and teach them to do it so that it's more of a natural thing than just, I've been told all my life I scream and run. What do I do? I'm, I'm stuck now. I'm, you know. Yeah. Hmm. And this is really hard for me because this little boy shares my son's name and it's right around his time frame because this yeah. little boy was born in 85 and mine was born in 87. So there are, it's very disconcerting for me. Yeah. And back then, I mean, it was a time where we didn't really think much about this stuff either. Uh, well, as a mom, I did. I was constantly yeah. thinking of it, but and we lived in this small town like this and yeah, it's just hard. It is hard. Sorry. Knocked some lotion over. <laughs> All right, then. Sorry. I'm, I'm sitting, trying to sit in the recliner to be a little more comfortable. It's not really working, but my microphone is, um, uh, this little table that's beside my chair is not very steady and it just knocked everything over. I'm trying to catch it. <laughs> Didn't work. Okay. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> also the weeks before Zachary Ramsey disappeared, Bar Jonah talked to a friend and she told the police that Bar Jonah was talking about befriending little Zach and talking to him uh, and taking him to Billings, which is a little ways away. Billings is like a large from, city in, in Montana. 
Yeah, but it's a little bit away from Great Ball. Okay. Um, yeah, because it's about a two, two to th- two to three day trip. <laughs> now it's my cat. Uh, that's okay. I had to move my water fountain, and mine's over there now at the where the water fountain should be, trying to get water. And I'm like, well, you just I'm I'm in my boys' rooms so that I'm more quiet, so that harp. My other one will sleep in. Yeah. And oh my goodness. Both cats are deciding they're going to come in here. So if there's a fight in a minute, I'm sorry. They don't like each other. Yeah. But this is about a two to a three day trip. Bar Jonah talked to his ex fiance, Pam Clark, that he chopped up and scattered Zach in the forest. Oh. Also, Bar Jonah roommate told the police that bar jonah would talk about zachary ramsey a lot bar jonah also knew things about zachary that was never reported to the news like uh stuff that only like rachel howard would know which was zachary's mother like that she was having a fight with her boyfriend and he just moved out the day before zachary disappeared Mm. Also, a witness told police that Bar Jonah was talking about kidnapping Zach Ramsey and tying him up and then chopping him into little pieces. These are all alleged, of course. Well, I'm sure that they probably looked into because I'm going to say he's saying this, but this is one of those things that you want to know. You wonder, okay, are you just mouthing off and saying that you're big and bad and you're going to do this kind of crap? Or did you do it? Or, but then, You've got the on the other side of the flip side of it, you have Rachel's boyfriend just got angry and left. I'm sure somebody looked into him too. I'm not really sure on that one. Um, Because to me, that sounds really like fishy. fishy. Where's my kid? What do you mean? You just left and now he disappears the next day. I'm freaking out. Of course, I. Yeah, of course, I don't truly know for sure if her boyfriend left, like, the day before. I mean, this was just what a witness said. Okay. That Bar Jonah said. Okay. So, of course, the police started to investigate Nathaniel Bar Jonah immediately. Bar Jonah left a trail of sexual, child sexual assaults and murder anywhere he went. So here we go. And I'm so sorry, people. I am so sorry. I did not know that this was going to happen. Did not know I was getting into this when I picked this one. Nathaniel Bar Jonah was first known as Paul, I'm sorry, David Paul Brown. He was born on February 15th, 1957. When he was seven years old um, in 1964, he lured a little five-year-old girl into his basement to play a board game. Once she was in the basement, he attempted to strangle her. But her screams brought up attention, and his mother saved the little girl. And he was starting seven, at seven. Seven years seven, old. Seven years old, yes. Thank goodness for his mother at that time. But Really? Big- I'm not a fan. 
not a fan of her, truly. But I'm hey, say, save the little there's girl. There's more coming because I did read some a little bit about this guy, and I know there's more coming. And so I don't know. Yeah, I'm not her. a fan of her, but at least she. Because from what girl. I read in that first article, she did save the little girl, but she never really got on to Zach. Uh, to, Zach, not Zach, to, uh, to, at that point, he was David or Paul or whatever. Yeah, David, Paul. She never got on to him about it. She never did anything about him doing anything to her. She just took the little girl out of the situation. Yeah. At the age of 12 in January of 1970, Nathaniel, well, at this time, he is still David Paul Brown, lured a six-year-old boy to a nearby hill saying he wanted to go sledding. But once they got there, David Paul slash Nathaniel, I don't even know what to call him right now. I'm going to still call him Nathaniel because that's who we know him right, as. Okay. Uh, Nathaniel sexually assaulted the boy. And a few, a few years later, Nathaniel attempted to lure another two boys that were riding their bikes down the street to a nearby cemetery which in, uh, intended on killing them. But one of the boys got suspicious and told the other boy not to go. So, Well, that's good. That, that was all around the age of 12. Oh. So, in 1973, he was suspected in Connecticut for abducting a Janice Pocket. And in March of 1975, Daniel Barjona was impersonating a police officer and abducted a eight-year-old boy named Richard O'Connor while walking uh, while walking to school. He proceeded to sexually assault and strangle the boy when a neighbor looked out her window and observed the abduction and called the police which the police began immediately looking for the boy. The police saw the car that matched the description used for the abduction parked in a parking lot away from all the other cars. And after calling, uh, calling for backup, they ordered Nathaniel Barr Jonah to get out of the car and found Richard O'Connor in the car, bloodied and half dead. From being sexually assaulted. Mm. A couple of days before Nathaniel Barjona, he this a couple of days before Barjona's graduation, he drove to Hartford, Connecticut, for once again impersonating a police officer, and abducted a nine-year-old girl. But because the child was vomiting and convulsing after being assaulted. He drove up to a sidewalk and threw the little girl out of his car. <clears throat> a witness was able to get his license plate and turn him in, and he was arrested for that assault. But, uh, but the assault never got to Nathaniel Barr's parole officer, and he was released on he was released from probation on May nineteen seventy six. For the abduction of Richard O'Connor. So he did get something for the Richard boy. Yeah. But he didn't get any. There was no justice for the nine-year-old He girl. had a series of dumb luck things going on there. That yes. that things that he did. That dumb luck 
on his part cost kept him from going any further, but bad luck on everybody else's part that kept him from being uh, from being prosecuted for these things. And that's just not, not cool at all. And this was all in Connecticut, right? And he's in Montana now. Yes, he was in, um, I mean, technically he was in like Massachusetts, Connecticut. In that kind of area. Really close. Yeah, he was close to that area. So then it's, yeah, because he, he would drive back and forth between them both. I'm not really sure exactly where he was at. Mm. I didn't find that part out, but he is very close to the border for both. Okay. Then on September 24th, 1977, Nathaniel Barjona claimed to be an undercover FBI agent and convinced two boys to get into his car in Massachusetts. Then he took the boys to a private area, handcuffed the boys, and tortured them. Barjona repeatedly jumped on one of the boys' chest, which Barjona was about 375. I was going to say, I saw a picture of him, and he's a big guy. He's a big guy. I told you, he looks kind of like Ping, uh, Penguin from Batman. That's kind of how I picked him. Yeah, he, he looks like a skis ball, I have to say. but He really does. Yeah. Like, if I'm looking at somebody, I'd be like, oh, yeah, you've done something. Yeah. He definitely has that look of, uh, I don't want you near my children. Go away. Yeah. After repeatedly jumping on this child's chest, he thought he killed him. And so he took the other boy, put him in his trunk alive, and drove off with him. Mm. The first boy was not dead, though. Like, I mean, this is a series of, like, dumb lugs. The child was not dead and was able to uh, to gain consciousness and to get help, which led Nathaniel Barge Jonah's second arrest. The other boy was found alive, still in the trunk. Um, and then for now, the crime of Barjona was convicted of attempted murder and got maximum sentence for 18 to 20 years in prison. Okay. And this was what year? Uh, It was 1977. Okay. For this one. Okay. After two years in prison, Barjona was transferred to Bridgewater State Hospital, which is a psychiatric hospital. While in the hospital, he was being evaluated, and every time he, uh, and every time he was found that he was still a danger to society for sexual assault, he should never be released from prison. Is what all of the psychiatrists are saying. But on March 20, uh, 22, 1984, he claimed he found religion and a soldier for God. And changed his name from David Paul Brown to Nathaniel Benjamin Lee Barjona. Hmm. He, um, his reason to his family for changing his name was that he wanted to know what it was like to be discriminated against and prosecuted as a Jew. Well, let's see. He could have just kept his name and been said he was persecuted a for being a child molester. Yeah. 
Yeah. So Bar Jonah's family hired two different religious counselors. Both stated that Bar Jonah was saved and he was a changed man. Oh. So, and I'm so putting this person's name out there because how dare you do this? So, Superior Court Judge Walter E. Steele ruled that Massachusetts had failed to prove Bar Jonah was a danger and released him. Okay, why do you have why do we have to prove that he's a danger? He's already proved himself a danger by what he's done. And I'm sorry, but the jailhouse religion thing, and I know it happens, and there are people that do receive re, do receive that and have that, but it does not keep you from having to pay for what you have done in the past. You still need to yeah. be. You still need to be. Um, you you still did it. You just because you got saved and you now know Christ and you and you've you, changed your. You still have to you pay, have to for, pay for what you've done. In society's eyes, you know, yes, I understand that, you know, you're covered under the blood of Jesus and you're and you're free from that sin and and all that. And I believe in that. But you still have to pay for what you've done. You still have you still have to pay for that child that you killed or right or whatever. I mean, I don't know. It's it's a rough thing. That's for sure. But. He has already been said by multiple, multiple psychiatrists that he was a danger to society right. and to be kept in prison for the rest of his life. Right. But yet you still, oh, because two counselors that his parent, that his mom paid for. Right. Exactly. Let's look at what, what, who it is that's giving this advice that's saying, oh no, he's done this, but, and who's paying for that? You know, when mama's paying for it, it doesn't mean as much as it does when it's coming from an independent source. Yeah. Mm. So six weeks after being released from prison, I'm sorry, my voice is starting to go away. <clears throat> six weeks after being released from prison, he once again, assaulted a, a seven-year-old boy and he was looking at life in prison for that. But he's one. a changed man. I'm sorry. But he's a changed man. Yeah. Oh. Six weeks later. You can't even wait. Whatever. But Barjona's, uh, Barjona's mom begged the court to give him probation so he had to move to Great Falls, Montana to live closer to his mother and brother, and they would keep an eye on him. I believe at this point, Massachusetts and Connecticut just wanted him gone. It, like, not my problem. No well, and you know, you can't blame yeah, them at that point. You can't blame them for that portion of it, except that if you're, tired, oh, if you're tired of him and you don't want to deal with him, then put his butt in prison and leave him there. Put him under right? the quit, prison. Quit putting him in. <laughs> Put him under the prison. <laughs> Put him in the basement. Put him in there with Big Bobby and let Bobby right? take care of him. Put him in general pot. Let him know that he's a child molester and walk away. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, with his extensive history, Nathan... Sorry, Felix is playing in his in his paper bags. <laughs> He's back in the bed now. Maybe they'll stop. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. 
With his extensive history, Nathaniel Bar Jonah was the top was the top of the list for the police of of suspects. Even with what they have on Bar Jonah, the police investigation took years for the disappearance of Zachary Ramsey. I guess because it's still allegedly they had to prove somehow. Right. I mean, I I understand where that comes in and because you've got to have that proof that. Yeah. Well, if you don't, I mean, there's double jeop, there's the double jeopardy. You can't prosecute them again. Right. So police believe that Bar Jonah borrowed his mother's off white four door 1978 Toyota Corolla the day that Zachary Ramsey disappeared because Bar Jonah's mother and brother were both out of town at a funeral. So uh, an eye right? on, huh? Why wasn't he at yeah. the out of town funeral with them? Uh, the police also found out that Bar Jonah was absent from work on February 6th of 1996. And he was, he was, uh, and he was absent for a couple of days after that. too. Mm, not good. Years later, like years, so that was four years later, Bar Jonah was arrested in 1999 for impersonating an officer at an elementary school. And this is how they kind of got him. After searching his house, they found pictures of young kids cut out of magazines. And they also found bone fragments. And... They later identified to a unknown young male. They said, like, it's around the age of Zachary. Mm. But they weren't able to. It was not Zachary's bone. They were able to determine that it was not Zachary? Yes. It's still just an unknown male. Oh, so, that, so there was another. That's scary, too. That's sad, too, to me that there's an unknown child. Of a, yeah. of a 10 year old boy somewhere around in that age group that nobody knows about too. There's some other mama out there that has no idea what's happened to the, her child. Yeah. Mm. The police were able to get a search warrant, of course, because of the arrest and a uh, barge search Bar Jonah's apartment and the detectives found a list of names which included previous victims but also the name Zachary Ramsey. Now of course he had Zachary Ramsey spelt wrong. It's with a K instead of the H. But the word beside it says dead. Okay well the fact that he can't spell doesn't mean he can't kill anybody. Right? Uh, Well he definitely has a a disability when it comes to, to writing, that's for sure. But they also found news clippings of Zachary's case and his old roommate uh, told his old roommate described finding clothes that matched Zachary Ramsey the day of his disappearance and some bloody gloves. Okay. But of course, so who's not going to beat this old roommate that didn't bother to say this a couple of years ago when it was happening? So he's got a skis for a roommate, too. That's great. Yep. 
That's pretty much how it goes. There's all skis, 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 skis. Some of Bar roommates, old roommates, claimed that Bar Jonah would bring uh, bring boys' names up in conversations. And at first, when I was writing this up, I thought they were saying that he brought little boys into the house. I was like, oh, that's a big red right, Yeah. You probably should have been calling somebody. But no, it was he would just bring up their names a lot in conversations. The police also found a journal which was coded. So they needed the help of the FBI to decode this journal. It took them six months to decode it. Oh, wow. I mean, this is just such a huge, huge thing. They finally decoded Bar Jonah describing torturing and eating children along with recipes that involve children's body parts. Okay, what? No, no. Yes, I told you I always get these. Oh, I mean, I'm I didn't like read through the complete articles before I I was just like, okay, this one it's got a lot of stuff. We're gonna do it. And I'm just I'm tapping it all up and reading while I'm going. And oh, oh. I don't want to know this. I know. I know. I'm sorry, people. I really am. I really am. I thought this was just going to be a disappearance. Uh, not a not a cannibalism. So, mm. the detective decoding the journal said, oh my god, he ate him. <sighs> the detectives also found a disposable camera, and they went and had it developed. It showed oh, different stuff. Stages of Bar Jonah having an erection. Ew. So gross. So gross. And then pictures of three boys from the ages of 5 to 13. Which the detective knew most of the children and went to the children's house. Which those three boys are related. Are they related to Bar Jonah or just related to each other? Related to to each other. So, he went to go talk to these children, which they lived directly above Bar Jonah. (sighs) These just... Sorry. My tongue's starting to, like, stick. Mm. These children didn't have a lot going for them. So, Bar Jonah took advantage of them and became their friend. Then, after months of befriending, he would take them out to eat, to the movies. They would go stay in his apartment. He became like a fatherly figure to these children. So, for months, he groomed them. Yeah. Mm. After two hours of interviewing the children, the oldest broke down and finally told him, told the detective, that about what he was doing to them. The oldest told detectives that Bar Jonah had a pulley on his ceiling. <gasps> this is this is going to get yeah, sorry people. They would he would use it to hang the children and choke them and then sexually assault them. Oh. And when they went back into um when they went back into Bar Jonah's house, like there's actual I think I I think there's even a picture online about it. 
and you can see the pulley on the ceiling oh, still. Oh, no. So the child was not lying. Well, I don't see how a child could lie about that, because how would the child even know to think of how that? How would they even think about that? Yeah. But, I wouldn't yeah, even so think it was about just, that. Uh, I wouldn't even think of that. And I'm an adult, you know. Oh. Yeah. Mm, poor babies. Uh, yeah. Well, from what it was stating is that they are... They had some mental problems. Like, I don't know for sure what all it was, but they weren't... So it was easier for Barjona to get them alone because they didn't understand certain things. Yeah. And oh. I just feel for him. I truly do. The detectives also went over to his mother's house. They sprayed Barjona's uh, mother's garage with this chemical. Oh, gosh, I can't even remember how to say this one. Um, oh, my gosh, I don't even know how to say this one. P-H-O-S. Phosphate. P-H. Yes. While looking into the involvement of the disappearance of Zachary Ramsey. So they're still trying to find Zachary. Right. And so they thought, well, maybe he took them back over there because her car. Right. If he used her car, he would take her back. And they were gone, too. So they were going to a funeral. So while looking for Zachary Ramsey, they found the words Tia, T-I-T-A, which made the police believe that Bar Jonah may have been involved in abducting another kid whose name was Zachary Tia, and it's T-E-T-A from Massachusetts, who was kidnapped in August 23rd, 1973. Mm. Now, James, James Tia body was found August 25th, 1973 in New Hampshire. And the autopsy revealed that he had been raped and strangled, which kind is kind of this you know, dude's MO. The, yeah, his, his whole thing. Detectives shifted through all of the dirt in the garage. So evidently it was a dirt garage. Uh, yeah. And so they brought in bulldozers and all of those things to, well, not built, not a bulldozer. Right. But they brought in a crane and like the things that yeah. you dig. Excavator thing. Brought all that. Excavator. Yes. They brought in all of that kind of stuff to shift through all of that dirt. And they found 26 bones wrapped up in a stationery that had his name on it. So it had Barjona's name on the stationery. And then there was 26 bone 26 fragments. 26 bone fragments. Do they all belong to one person? No, I'm not for sure on any of it. <sighs> Uh, detectives found the bones of human, they were human bone fragments and the bones were tested and they did not belong to Zachary Ramsey. And to this day, they still don't know who this child was. Mm. So I don't know if they figured it up that it's just one child or yeah. 
But the detectives also found a hair in... <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. This one's very hard to do. <laughs> the detectives also found a hair inside a neat grinder <gasps> in his apartment, which they tested the DNA against Zachary Ramsey, and it wasn't him. But it did belong to an African-American male. <sighs> Oh, okay. So. Which we know Nathaniel is not an African-American male. He is white. Yeah, he is definitely not. He is white, white. He's a white man. Um, so the police decided that they were going to charge Barjona with kidnapping and assault of the three boys. They could not prosecute him for Zachary Ramsey yet because they didn't. They wanted to make sure they got right. They wanted to make sure he was already in jail before they brought in this case because it's all alleged and they don't really. We have have no body. We have no. We have no body, no blood. We got no. There's no evidence of him having done anything with with Zachary yet. Just that belief that he has. Yes. Mm. So on July 5th, 2000. The prosecutor announced that they were seeking the death penalty for Joe Barna. Bar Jonah. I want to say the opposite. Bar Jonah was prosecuted for the abduction and molestation of the three boys and convicted to kidnapping, aggressive assault, and sexual assault. One of his victims he tortured and hung from the ceiling, which was the which was the little boy. Um they said that, like, they could only get him for two. The youngest one, they couldn't get him to actually state that he was sexually assaulted. Yeah. So they couldn't technically get him for that one. But they did believe that the nine-year-old and then the oldest. But it took, oh, I feel for these kids. They were so brave getting up yeah. there. And one of them, like. The middle child wouldn't say what happened to him because, I mean, he's young and he doesn't understand. But the oldest one finally was able to mention that he did sexually assault him and, and explain what he uh. did. And then, of course, about the, the pulley and all of that. So, I mean, he, they, they did finally were able to get get uh. something for this. Thank goodness. Yeah, we, we want to say how bad it is that he's done this to these children, but then it's so bad that these kids have to relive it over and over and over and over and over and over again, because before they ever get to a court, they've been through this thing hundreds of times. They have to relive it all the time. Plus they're going, hopefully they're in therapy where there's a therapist and they're talking to them about it and trying to get this over. So there, you know, there's, just so many things that are going on in these children's lives and how much they have to relive this same thing, the same torture over well, and over. Well, it's also in order, in order to testify, they have to go over it multiple times right. and they have to do it in different scenarios because they don't know what the prosecutor, uh, what the other, what, what the defense is going to say to um, the defense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the defense should not even be able to, I mean, I know that, legally they're going to have to be able to question them and or something but i don't know when you're under a certain age they're just you should just 
the child should just tell what happened and then be able to get down and not have anything else happen. I mean, as a parent, that's what we want, but I know that in reality, that's not ever going to happen, but Oh, so sad for these children. Yeah. So the prosecutor, prosecutors put a hold on the murder charge because it was hard to convict without a body. So they decided to go ahead and with the charges but even though the jury wasn't all convinced that he was an extreme pedophile, a 36-year-old woman named Maria Parton, Pat, Patron, Patron, I think it is, uh, testified of Joe Barna was the man who abducted her and assaulted her and that he dressed up like a police officer in 1974. So she was the one that he... Uh, was raping and she started vomiting and convulsing oh. and he threw her out of the vehicle. Unfortunately, statute of limitations had expired and he wasn't able to be charged for that crime. But Barjona was sentenced to 130 years in prison without the possibility of parole. <sighs> Too late for Zachary, but thankfully they did finally do something and too late for all of those and too, children. Yeah, I mean, and too late for these little boys because they should have been able to have done this for Mary when she was there. But but the thing is, is she, even though her time was up, look at how brave she was to come forward and say, he did this to me too. I want to see that. I know you can't get him for me, but I want to make sure for that you get him for these kids and for all these others that he might have done this to and for anybody else that he could do it to in the future. Yeah. She's an MV, an MVP there. She is. Um, Barjona told psychiatrists about him fantasizing about abducting, murdering, and eating children. But Nathaniel Barjona said he was innocent all the way up until his death. Oh, what a bleh, piece of crap. Yeah. On April 13, 2008, Nathaniel Barjona was found um, unresponsive in his cell that morning. With his poor health, he had a massive heart attack, and which was the cause of his death. Yeah, so, well, I'm not going to feel. He was only in jail for yeah. Well, he was only in jail for eight years. Eight years of his 130. So, well, too bad now, they didn't revive him, and so he could sit there and. I guess he died like in his sleep or something and they didn't know about it until the next morning. Cause when they went to go wake all the prisoners up, he didn't wake up. He didn't wake up. So darn. Yeah. <clears throat> but now let's get into what the police believed what happened to Zachary Ramsey, which is allegedly. Okay. Because he was never, when the police were searching his apartment, uh, Barjona's apartment, the detectives found several recipes. And this is where it's going to get a little graphic. So if you don't want to listen to it, it's okay. But you have to stay. Thank you. You're welcome. Found recipes of children's body parts with disrespectful titles to them, such as little boy pot pie, French fried cats. Oh. Phrases such as, Lunch served on the patio with a roasted child. Oh. 
while decoding Bar Jonah's journal, there was references about serving these recipes to his neighbors. Mm. Bar Jonah even took pictures of the food that he made. Bar Jonah started having cookouts and inviting people to eat burgers and spaghetti and chili uh, and meat pies and casseroles. No. Majority of the guests talked about the meat tasting weird. And Bar Jonah would just respond with, oh, it's deer meat. I went hunting for it. Oh. But there was no record of Bar Jonah having a hunting license or even owning a rifle. Nathaniel Barjona was a big man, very big man. He was well over 300 pounds. But when the police were looking into Barjona, they noticed that he didn't have much groceries. He wasn't purchasing many gro- groceries at the grocery store for months oh. after Zachary Ramsey's disappearance. Oh. Okay, my heart hurts uh, really bad right now. <laughs> Yeah, but he could have just paid cash for groceries. So, I mean, or he could have stocked up on groceries before all of this is, I mean, it's still, it's all alleged. So the detectives believed that Bar Jonah forced Zachary Ramsey into his mother's car, took him back to her garage, sexually assaulted him, killed him, cut him up, and then served him to all those people. And himself. And that is why there is no body. Mm. Now, they did try to sway. They did try to, not sway, but they tried to get Rachel Howard to admit that her son is dead. So that they could prosecute Mm -hmm. him for the murder. But then they found out, and she she was going to, like, they... They were getting her ready for it and all of that. And then she just up and decided that she wasn't going to do it. Mm. The defense got a hold of her and talked to her. And so then she changed her statement. And so he was never, she still believes that he's out there somewhere. And that, because the bone fragments weren't her son's. So I get that. And I know, I know as a mother, you don't, you would not want to I would not want to think that my kid had that that had that was the end of what happened to my child I would not and it would be very easily easy to dissuade me from believing that because that is the last thing you would ever want to think about happening to your child so I I would not I I would cast no blame on her for not doing that and for and for wanting to believe it and and I want to believe that he did not that that Zachary is still alive or, or that he's buried somewhere that nobody's found him or something, even because I don't want to think about him being eaten or served to neighbors or people. And as a neighbor of that person, Uh I would be mortified. I don't know how I would live with myself if I thought that I had eaten that child. And this is why I have all, I have a hard time (laughs) with, Eating at people's house. With you know, people I know I'm okay with, but like a neighbor, some neighbor that I don't really know, it a it's a potluck. I have a I have a real hard time with like work potlucks and things like that. Eating at work potlucks and stuff, just because I've I've always had that I don't know how clean they are. I've got a cat, but I don't let the cat on the counter. And if the cat's been on the counter, I wash and disinfect the counter and do all that. 
And if somebody else, I don't know, maybe they've got 25 cats that live in a house the size of mine and maybe it's not clean. And I don't, you know, so I've always, I had that phobia. So. Well, I watched a video. Uh, It's one of those TikTok videos of this woman and she's, she's going and how I get my grease up out of, out of my pans and she's using a used oh, I baby diaper. See, no. And then this man comes on right afterwards and he starts singing like a choir kind of guy does. And he's like, you can't eat at everybody's house. Right. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> he does those all the time. And I'm always on those. I'm like, Oh, and I watch, you know, so I watch hoarders and I see that and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, if there was a, even I've I've been to potlucks and I've had work people and I even had you know I've had one that somebody was like the a, a coworker that was like oh my, and my husband had his and my in laws came over and I was mortified because he let them in the house because it was a mess and I was thinking okay they came over from out of town you knew they were coming and you still hadn't cleaned up and you were mortified that they came in and it was that much of a mess uh, then we have a potluck and you bring something even from some from um, like a barbecue bush. I know you picked it up the night before, so you had to put it in your refrigerator. How bad was your refrigerator? I'm sorry. I can't eat it. I can't do that. I can't. Uh, no. I, well, it makes me want to hurl just thinking about it. I can't. I'm, I don't know what their, I don't know what their <clears throat> stuff looks like. I don't know how they're, I'm, you know, and if I'm going to, if I'm taking something for a potluck, I'm even more cautious than I am just for myself because I know I'm taking yeah. it for other people. So using gloves to cut up stuff. Right, and I would not, and I meat. would not think of tasting it with the spoon and then putting it back in there and tasting it again. I definitely, you know, I want to throw that spoon out and, you know, it's tasting it like in a restaurant you taste it and then you throw the spoon out and then you taste it with a a cleaner spoon because I'm serving it to other people. I just, yeah, I just have a problem with potlucks and stuff. So that now it just, it's even worse. Makes it a lot (laughs) worse. Yeah. Worse. Yeah. I know. Oh. Nathaniel Barjona was also called as like the boogeyman. Yeah. Is what it was called. Like I guess he's like every child's it worst is a, nightmare. It, I mean it yeah. was I mean it is. It's what night stuff nightmares are made of, but Yeah. Like I'm sorry people. Like I really did think that I was good. I mean, let's face it. A, I was a, just getting a disappearance. A disappearance is not good either. It's not good. And technically, this is a technically this is a disappearance of Zachary because we don't have proof that this was him and that any of this happened to him. But the things that happened to these other children that this brought up, and then the journal journal that he has, and that this you know fool, oh, just so sad. So I promise, people, Mm. I'm really trying not to to get these. They just speak to me of a different. Unfortunately, the title of our our podcast is Mama's Nightmare. And and so they're all going to be a nightmare. I mean, they just are anything that involves a child or families, kids and parents. It's just all it is. It's just a nightmare to any of us. And so it really is. This is a true nightmare. and, And it's sad for me because I it's the time frame of my kids. Thankfully, it's, you know, it. 
later on. Now I know about it now. I didn't know about it then because then if I did, y'all would have never left the house. Uh, you would have been wrapped in bubble wrap and staying right beside me because I couldn't handle it, you know. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. So thank you for listening to Mama's Nightmare. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a five-star rating and a comment. Uh, we are on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Audible, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcast, and a couple of others. Um, they are also linked on our um, on our website, which is podbean.com slash Mama's Nightmare Pod. Um, your comments can be anything, even just one word. It helps us create an algorithm and it helps us get our names out there. You can also hit subscribe or follow so you don't miss out on next week's nightmare where Alicia's going to be telling us about the Stout or Stout family murders. Um, we have a Facebook and an Instagram. Those are at Mama's Nightmare Pod where we will be where blah, 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 where we will be <laughs> posting pictures from each episode. Also, if you have any suggestions on a case that you would like us to cover, please email us at mamasnightmarepod at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Alicia. And, and we hope you have nothing but sweet dreams. Goodbye. Bye.